Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The end is in sight for the renovation project at the Arch Grounds. An early summer reopening is planned. One of the big changes will be changing the name of the site, and that should happen sooner rather than later. With me to bring us up to speed on the project's progress is Ryan McClure, Director of Communications and Activation for the Gateway Arch Foundation. Ryan, nice to see you again. Thanks for having me, Don. Appreciate it. Boy, we're getting to the point where we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're so close. July 3rd will be the grand opening of the new Arch Experience. So everything um, in the landscaping, the park, Keener Plaza, the riverfront, that's all been completed. The very last component, which was is one of the biggest, is the expansion to the visitor center and the museum exhibits under the arch, which will be completed and open to the public by July 3rd. I'm going to ask you to walk us through all of this in just a sure. moment. But first, the name change. Yeah. How is that likely to change anything? Well, you know, I think for how people know the arch – uh, it doesn't change a lot because Gateway Ar- – so the new name would be Gateway Arch National Park as opposed to Jefferson National Expansion Memorial. Um, right now, the Jefferson National Expansion Memorial name is not well known, mm-hmm. um, and it says nothing about the 630-foot-tall iconic monument that represents mm-hmm. our city to the entire world. So what this name change does is really – Uh, give the park a formal name consistent with how people know it. And it highlights the fact that we have one of the premier urban national parks Mm -hmm. right here in downtown St. Louis. And a lot of people don't realize, even here in St. Louis, that it is a national park. And I think that that'll be a big boost to tourism. How, How did all of this name change thing get started? Well, there is an alliance of organizations that, uh, support, uh, and, and help operate the, the park. Uh, that includes the National Park Service, uh, Bi-State Development, Great Rivers Greenway, City of St. Louis, and Jefferson National Parks Association, and, and of course our organization, Gateway Arch, Park, Gateway Arch Park Foundation. So as we were getting towards the grand opening, we thought that the alliance kind of thought this would be a great opportunity to see if the name could be addressed and if we could highlight the fact that this is a national park and use the momentum of – the um, the grand opening is something that could be an impetus for that. And our congressional delegation, thankfully, and we're so grateful for their support, they were all on board. So it's bipartisan. Um, Senators Blunt and McCaskill both uh, sponsored the bill in the Senate. And then Senator uh, Representatives Clay, Wagner, and uh, Lutgemeyer sponsored the bill in, in the House. So um, we're, we're just really grateful for the support that we got from the congressional delegation. It's nice to see that bipartisanship is possible in Washington after all. It is uh, possible <laughs> and it is alive and, and, and can be done. And now the uh, the official uh, signing by the president is all that remains between having it happen. That's right. So the uh, <clears throat> the legislation has been sent to the president's desk, and once he signs it, then uh, we officially have a new name for the park. And Again, it, it, it's just fantastic that this can be done before the grand opening. Uh, all of the signage, the new signage that's going to be in the park, it hasn't been printed yet. We're waiting uh, just to make sure that the, the name change went through. So this isn't going to be an additional cost to taxpayers or anything like that because we had to redo the signage anyway. Well, and everything has to be changed. Business cards, stationery, the whole <laughs> bowl of wax. That's right. And if there are additional costs, again, you know, the, there are organizations like ours that can help uh, fund those from a private side. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk uh, about uh, where we are now in this whole renovation project. 
I mentioned before I'd like to have you walk us through. Let, let's start uh, in downtown St. Louis and getting us to the Arch Grounds. That's one of the big, big changes. Sure, absolutely. So one of the big changes just to start the visitor experience is that visitors will be parking in downtown St. Louis instead of the old Arch Garage, which was on the north side of the park. Um, which was kind of an island. So folks would park – if you're coming into St. Louis from all over the Midwest, uh, you'd park your car there, go to the Arch, come back down, and then get in your car and leave without ever setting foot in downtown St. Louis. So now folks will use the parking facilities in downtown St. Louis. They can get from 4th Street at the old courthouse to the arch and to the river without a stair step or intersection in their way. And that's made possible by this new park of the park over the highway that's completed. And uh, those fences will come down sometime in the spring so that folks can access the park that way. And then right next to the park of the highway, you have a new west facing entrance and how the park of the highway and the entrance changes things for the visitor experience is pretty critical. And that, for the first time in the history of this monument, it is now physically connected to the city that it represents. So the visitors will cross over the highway without any cars or intersections in their way, go into the west entrance, and they'll be – which is a sweeping glass facade that lets in natural light, and they can turn around and they can see the city behind them. So they're connected uh, to that. But that was kind of the original intention, wasn't it, to be able to have a nice view of the, the city as well? Absolutely. I mean I think we, we all – know what the experience is like now when you go to the arch of you enter at the south of the north entrance and you immediately hit security at the door and then you go into a basement and you kind of lose perspective of where you are and that you're still in st louis and there's a reason that the arch Mm -hmm. isn't here in st louis so this entrance helps us physically connect people to st louis the entire during their visit and thematically we're going to be connecting people to St. Louis because when you start going in the visitor center, there's a huge – you'll see a mezzanine plaza with a huge map of the United States and a a big yellow dot where St. Louis is and then all of the trails that people follow to get to the west from St. Louis. And then you'll go through the new museum, which – uh, still has a focus on westward expansion, but what's there that wasn't before is a is a pretty intentional focus on the role that St. Louis played in westward expansion. Can you be a little more specific about that? Because I understand it is quite quite different. Yes, absolutely. So when you 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 start in 1600s colonial St. Louis, so that right there, that's a change. So you you start the thematic and interpretive storytelling in St. Louis. Uh, with the French colonial era. And then you kind of keep, as you move toward um, ultimately where you end up is the building of the arch. Mm-hmm. So that's another way that you're connected in St. Louis because the old museum didn't really have a, a huge storytelling element of how was the arch built? How was it designed? Why was it? Why was the design chosen? Um, so everything, and then there's a huge story zone on the riverfront era in, uh, in St. Louis. So there's a model of 1852 St. Louis Riverfront uh, with the steamboats and all of the buildings that were there. So everything kind of comes back to St. Louis. I want to uh, 
let folks know that they can get into this conversation if they'd like to. 382-8255 is our number. 382-TALK is the way you can find it that way. You can also send us an email at talk at stlpublicradio.org, or if you'd prefer to send us a tweet, do so at STL on air. We're talking with Ryan McClure, and we're talking about the renovation project uh, at, at the Arch, soon to be renamed Arch Grounds, by the way. Uh, Ryan, um, who put the museum thing together? I mean, who, who was responsible for that? Well, there are are a lot of different entities that that were responsible for the museum exhibit design. Uh, And it it starts with the National Park Service and the great interpretive staff that they have there. Uh, Bob Moore, who's the historian at the park, has been there for quite a while, was intimately involved with all of the exhibits. And then we had uh, the main exhibit designer is Haley Sharp Design out of uh, the United Kingdom. And they have an amazing resume. Uh, they did the visitor center at, uh, at Stonehenge. They've done yeah. a lot of the Smithsonian museums. They're actually starting a huge project at National Air and Space Museum. Uh, so they have a great resume. And they were kind of the driving force on the design, but working hand-in-hand with the National Park Service and then a lot of volunteers in developing these these exhibits. This overall project was pretty expensive. How much of that is, is uh, the museum cost? Sure. So the museum in total, so this includes the exhibits, the expansion, so 46,000 square foot of expansion – is about $170 million out of the uh, $380 million total cost of the project. And the vast majority of that $170 was funded privately. We should remind people where all this money is coming from. Right, right. So the way that this breaks down, it's a $380 million project, and it is the largest public-private partnership ever in the National Park Service's history. And $221 million of that three hundred eighty is privately funded, and the vast majority of that came from St. Louis. That's the largest private investment in a national park in in history. And that shows you the generosity that we have here in St. Louis from our donors and the corporate community uh, that they – that we were able to raise that much private money for for the renovation. So – in addition to the 221, there's 90 million that came from Proposition P, which again shows you how much this this community cares about the arch. That they voted to tax themselves uh, through a sales tax initiative for the first time in American history, ta- a local jurisdiction taxed itself to make improvements to a national park. And then the remainder, the 69 million that makes up the 380, also came from federal, state, and local uh, public sources. Boy, thinking it's a third of a billion dollars going into the downtown <laughs> riverfront. Right. It's, I mean, it's a huge investment. And I hope as we move towards the, the grand opening that St. Louis as a community is proud of what they did here because all – you know, the vast majority of the funding came from St. Louis. And again, I think it, it shows how much people care about this community and how much they care about the arch and the park that surrounds it as a symbol of our community. You mentioned parking a little while ago. We have some callers uh, who want to get into this discussion. So let's bring in Betty calling from Shrewsbury. She has a question about parking. Uh, Go ahead, Betty. You're on the air. It's very exciting, this whole project. I wanted to check about the kind of protection people coming into St. Louis are using the garages will be receiving. Way back when, garages in downtown St. Louis were notorious for being dangerous. And then the next question I wanted to know is, are there going to be uh, electric carts that can be rented so that people who can't do a great deal of walking will have access from the garages to the arch? And thank you very much. 
Sure. Well, thank you, Betty. Those are both great questions. So the answer to your first question about um, uh, safety and security in the garages, before we were able to demolish the old parking garage and the arch grounds, we had to do a parking study, uh, and we did this in partnership with uh, Explore St. Louis, who really took on the, the brunt of that work, to prove that there was enough uh, un- underutilized parking in downtown St. Louis to absor- absorb those spaces. So they went around, they f- they f- uh, kind of went through all of the, the garages and parking lots, surveyed them. And to get into this preferred downtown parking program, they had to meet certain requirements for safety and security and lighting. There has to be attendance on on staff um, and on site and and cameras. Uh, and then there, they had to meet requirements for accessibility, payment options. So one of the key elements for those those facilities to be in the program was safety and security. Uh, so the second part of your question on the electric carts. Downtown STL Inc., which is kind of the the booster organization for downtown St. Louis, uh, has a program that they're piloting that will have electric carts that go around St. Louis and uh, can get people from parking facilities to different uh, attractions. So that's a great idea and actually one that uh, thankfully uh, is is looking like it's going to be implemented. That's Ryan McClure. He is the Director of Communications and Activation with the Gateway Arch Park Foundation. We have to take a break now. We'll do that. Come back and take more of your calls. We have a number of people, Ryan, who want to talk to you. We'll do that in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Now back to our conversation with Brian McClure. We're talking about renovations down at the Arch. July 3rd is the big day. That's when it reopens. Uh, Ryan, that's going to be um, Fair time, Fair St. Louis time. That's right. We are so happy that Fair St. Louis is returning to its original home at the Gateway Arch. And, you know, it was, it was great to have it at Forest Park for uh, the four years that we were under construction and we're lucky as a region to have two parks that can handle an event that size. But um, we we thought, and we're so thankful that the folks at the Fair Foundation agreed, that what better way to bring people back down to their new arch uh, experience than to have Fair St. Louis return. So we're really excited about that. July 3rd will be the grand opening ceremony, probably late morning. And then we're probably going to have some community events that evening and then the fair of course, returns on July 4th. And if things hold true to form, there'll be a thunderstorm in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> there always seems to be. We, we hope not. You know, if we could get through Fair St. Louis with this grand opening without a thunderstorm, that would just be amazing. How many people can the grounds accommodate for an event like this? Well, um, you know, there, there's different answers to that question based on how things are configured and, um, and operated and set up. But, you know, it can be between 50 and 100,000 um, just on the arch grounds, the national park uh, proper. Uh, but then you have other spaces in downtown that can handle additional people. I can remember covering the uh, the VP Fair yes. downtown years ago, and it was so crowded, there was actual gridlock. There, at times, you could not move. You simply had to stay where you were until the crowd somehow shifted. Right, right. Well, incredible. there's, you know, there's, uh, it's an entirely new orientation at the park. So I, I think there's a lot of spaces that can be used. 
uh, and disperse people than than you had previously. For example, I mean the garage is now a seven and a half acre park. So that's an area that can be programmed for all sorts of different things and certainly for Fair St. Louis. Yeah, you have expanded the overall area by what, 11 acres? 11 acres of new park space that that folks can enjoy. Let's go back to the phones. We're bringing Lee calling from North City. Lee, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Hello, thank you for taking my call. Go ahead. My question is, is in the interest of full disclosure where the historical aspects are covered at the museum, how much attention is going to be given to the burgeoning slave trade on the riverfront? And also, is there going to be any attention given to the rigged election that that gave the opportunity to buy the property on the riverfront? I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks. Thanks, Lee. All right. Thank you, Lee. Uh, so one of the things that has been uh, changed at the museum uh, under the arch is that the story – the storytelling is a lot more inclusive. So you're going to hear and see that the themes and and the interpretive elements are told from many different perspectives. So you will, uh, there is a focus on the slave trade on the riverfront. And of course, that's, that's a part of the story at the old courthouse as well. Um, And also, you're going to hear many different perspectives of westward expansion. So it's not just the West was won. It's also the West was stolen from the people that lived there already. And then there's the perspective of of the Mexican, uh, uh, the folks that lived in in Mexico where the North was stolen from them. So there's a lot of different ways that the the story, all of these stories are going to be told. There's still a lot of resentment in the area over the loss of many historic buildings down there that were raised to make way for this uh, whole project years ago. People are still upset about that. And, and you know, that it's the way that that was done in the 30s and the 40s, I think, that, that you wouldn't see that done the way that we've mm-hmm. – uh, you wouldn't see it done that way today. We've come a very long way in historic mm-hmm. preservation and, and uh, urban development. Uh, but one thing that, that I think we, we can point to in the museum where that story is embraced and we really talk about it. Um, the old rock house, which was one of the last buildings to be to left standing when all the buildings were cleared. At one point, it was the old rock house and the old cathedral were still there, and those were the only two buildings. The rock house was eventually demolished, but a lot of people don't know that the Park Service preserved and kept uh, many of the stones in the facade of the old rock house, and that has been rebuilt in the in the new museum. So you pass through the facade of the old rock house to get between story zones in the museum. Join us in studio now is Alex Hoyer, producer of St. Louis on the Air. Alex had an opportunity to uh, visit the grounds, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, Alex? A couple of weeks ago, that's right. Uh-huh. What, what are your thoughts about what you saw down there? The first thing that comes to mind is it seems like there's a whole lot of work still left to get done. To, <laughs> to me, from the outsider not being involved in construction, it's hard to believe that it's going to be ready in time to open on July 3rd. But uh, Ryan says it will be, and, and I believe that. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Ryan is leaving this job. He told me just before he went on the air. <laughs> he's going on to, I wouldn't say bigger and better things, just to, to other things. But uh, yeah. what do you think? It's, there's no question about it uh, being completed. Uh, no, it, it will definitely be complete. We've actually uh, – we've got 
some some time period to account for anything that may come up, but the exhibits will will be um, complete and everything will be done by July 3rd. But I, I completely understand where Alex is coming <laughs> from because if, if, you, if you're not involved in it every day, you could go down there right now and say, well, they've got some work to do, but we're, we'll definitely have it complete. Alex, you, you had a special interest in the museum. We've talked a little bit about that, but what were you able to see there and what is that special interest? It's exactly what Ryan was talking about in the way that the story is changing in the way that it's going to be told, where you have the different mm-hmm. perspectives. The West was won. The West was stolen. The North was stolen. And people who went to the museum before this renovation will recall that it was laid out in those rings uh, by by decades, and, and it went out from there. And so it's a very, very much of a redesigned museum. And from what I can tell so far, it's going to be more interactive as well. I mean, the the old museum, it just came off as pretty stale to me after a while. I mean, yeah. it, it didn't seem to be changed. Maybe it was, but but it just seemed that it was time for an update, that it was time for a new way to tell the story. You can't get away with that anymore, just having a, a room full of artifacts, can you? Today's tech, high-tech world is changing everything. Right. And we, you know, when that museum opened in 1976, it was pretty innovative for its time. But uh, as Alex said, it, it really didn't get updated much after 1976. So this really brings it up to, to what, t- you know, 21st century museum goers want to see. Um, and uh, it, it is very interactive. It's immersive. There's a lot of different perspectives and storytelling that we can we can use technology to to tell that. And Ryan was talking about the old rock house in terms of how some of the stones mm-hmm. there are going to be used in the replica that is being built there. One of the things that I'm interested in, I've done some reporting on archaeological work that's taken mm-hmm. uh, close to the arch grounds because when the demolition started, I think in 1939 even. Mm-hmm. Um, that area was not protected. Archaeologists did not have a chance to get at that and preserve history. And one of the things that I'd talked uh, about with the archaeologist from the Missouri Department of Transportation is that they intended that some of their artifacts that they found would be some way featured in the museum. How, mm-hmm. how is that going to happen, Ryan? Well, uh, they will. You're right. So th- there are some artifacts that, that MoDOT found through their Poplar Street Bridge uh, project, and then there are some artifacts that were found during the arch grounds uh, excavation. So we had to dig down uh, to, to build that 46,000-square-foot uh, expansion. So I don't know exactly where those artifacts go, but I know that they will be incorporated somehow. Alex mentioned rings before, and we have a tweet from Tom who asks, when will the river ring be finished? The river ring. So that's a great question for the folks at, uh, at Great Rivers Greenway because they're, I mean, they are doing amazing work in, in the region, and they've, they're a big part of this project. Um, so I know there's a lot of really exciting things going on with the River Ring. Um, and then, you know, what they're doing right now with the design competition on Shoto Greenway is going to be really exciting. And I know that that's scheduled to wrap up with the final design sometime in June of this year. So there's a lot of momentum, you know, moving toward this summer with, with projects like that. Um, our project, Soldiers Memorial, will open in November on Veterans Day. Just a lot of really great things happening in St. Louis right now. A lot going on. Let's uh, bring in another listener, and we'll go to Victor this time. He's calling from St. Louis. You're on the air, Victor. Go ahead. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Ryan. And enjoy hearing your comments about the the arch grounds. We're really excited about that. I've been downtown for about 20 years, and we think it's really great. We're enthusiastic about the the, uh, the improvements to downtown and the, the park over the highway. 
But I do think that, that this conversation has really missed a great opportunity to promote one of the most important historic areas of St. Louis, which is the Cleese Landing. Mm-hmm. And you referred to the, the former entranceway on the north side, but the north side has a name, and it's the Cleese Landing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the historic starting places of all of the St. Louis story. It was built during the 17 and 1800s, mm-hmm. and it's the only place in the entire region where you've got historic buildings, cobblestone streets, you've got great restaurants and entertainment options. And, you know, there's a lot of new projects. About half of the landing is now being either renovated or rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And we've got some new residential projects that are going in for the first time. So it will be the only residential developments on the St. Louis Riverfront in a long enough time that none of us can remember. Yeah. And, I, and I wish that your presentation today and maybe in the future would do a better job of highlighting such an incre- incredibly important part part of St. Louis. You've done a pretty good job of it yourself, <laughs> Victor. Thanks very yeah. much for your call. And, and, I, and just to, Victor, you're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, there's so much going on with this project that I unfortunately don't always get to, to touch on each element of it. But Laclede's Landing, uh, the fact that the na- this national park now goes right up to Laclede's Landing's front door is just a, a f- fantastic opportunity for downtown St. Louis. And as you said, there's such great historic building stock there that if you want to see what the types of buildings that were there in the 1850s, just go to Laclede's Landing. And there is residential coming in. There's new event spaces. We toured one um, just north of Eads Bridge the other day that is just beautiful and fantastic. So there are a lot of exciting things going on in, in Laclede's Landing, and we're really ex- excited about the momentum there. Or go to Soulard or go to Lafayette Square. That's there's right. an awful lot of history in, uh, in that part of the We have city. a lot of great neighborhoods with great character. Mm-hmm. We have a tweet from David who writes, As the gateway to the West, St. Louis portrayed in the new museum as part of the West or a mere gateway from the East? It's a great question. You know, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, it's definitely uh, portrayed and we, and we, we emphasize the, the fact that people started their journey here in St. Louis. And they started their journey where the arch is today. So it's it's not just about like St. Louis's role, but the role of the actual space that the people are standing on. Um, and it, at one time, it was the third busiest port in America. In fact, that's highlighted in one of the exhibit zones. Um, so it was a gateway from a lot of different areas. So it could have been, you know, up north. Uh, it, it could have been from New Orleans. It could have been from the east. One of the awesome features is when you walk in, you basically look down and you see and it's like a big ramp that goes down you can just look down and then the museum is is still there as it as it was before but it's all connected as you look down one of the really interesting features is the floor uh design it's this huge floor and ryan you can talk a little bit about this but it has red lines coming out from st louis in terms of uh where different journeys uh went from St. Louis. And so in terms of telling the gateway story, that's that's part of that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Alex. The, this map with a huge emphasis on what you've seen it, where St. Louis mm-hmm. is, everything kind of emanates from St. Louis, the rivers uh, that people traveled, the trails that they took to go out west to California, Oregon, um, uh, Utah, all of that is captured in this map. And it's a huge terrazzo map. So it's beautifully created and designed, and that's also a space that – so it orientates it, – it's orientation for, for visitors, um, and it's an interpretive element. But it's also a space for private events where you could have 
uh, your dinner or, or reception on this map. I want to get another caller in, but it's going to have to be quick. Keith, calling from St. Louis, you're on the air, but please make it quick. Keith? Okay, I'll be extremely quick. I just uh, wanted to make a comment about just the investment of $300 million in a national park. I just I find it kind of grossly irresponsible. Um, and I, I hate to be a killjoy, but it's just that type of money uh, to redesign essentially what becomes a event space or a nice place for people to take wedding pictures is uh, hard for me to, to really get my uh, my arms around. So if you could just comment about that. I mean, I just Keith, find it. We, we will, Keith. Time's getting away from us, but we will. That's certainly a concern that, that I've heard. But after all, there are voters who voted for this to happen. But one of the questions that I had, kind of what you're talking about, Keith, is why should it be the case that that uh, this is the largest public-private partnership. I mean, why should so many of the people who live in St. Louis have to spend their money for a national project? Because we heard Ryan say that this is the largest public-private partnership mm-hmm. that the National Park Service has done. Right. So happy to comment on that. The you know it, it is the largest that they've ever done. Uh, now it's not the first. So this there there is history here for private investment and and uh, <clears throat> communities to to help renovate and enliven our national parks. The Statue of Liberty is a great example in the 1980s, but this is the largest that's ever happened. And the funding structure for national parks has changed quite a bit recently, where there's not the federal funds that used to be there to enliven our parks. And that's why private investment is really important. We're going to have to wrap this up. But I have a question here you can answer quickly. Wheelchair accessibility, the disabled will be able to move around okay? Absolutely. Universal design and accessibility was a huge tenant of this project. And I think when you get there and experience this new park, you will see so many elements that have improved the accessibility that there will be a greater amount of people that can now enjoy this park. We can't wait. Thanks to Ryan McClure for being with us, Director of Communications and Activation with the Gateway Arch Park Foundation. And Alex Sawyer, thank you for dropping by and giving us your impression during your preview visit. Good to see you here, too. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.